the Old Testament, chapter by chapter, we are in Genesis chapter 23. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. Let's begin. Let's pray before we begin, rather. Father, we thank you for this wonderful life, Abraham's life, of looking at it, Lord, and he is the father of faith, and just to see how faith develops and to be encouraged just in our own life, uh, that it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of time. Nevertheless, we do get to the place where we're walking by faith, and we can expect that to happen. Why? Because you're faithful uh, even when we're not. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit, encourage us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Genesis chapter 23, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So 127 years, you know, the world was a healthier place without a doubt. Um, was it 43? 500 years ago at this time, something like that, and uh, lives were longer at, at, at the time. And here we have Sarah, and we've been following with her, rejoicing with her, and mourning with her along the way, the, just the different trials that she went through. She dies when Isaac was 37 years old, and so... She had him when she was 90, wow. And uh, this is the only time in the Bible that I know of. You can send me an email if I'm wrong. I'd love to be corrected. Where a, the age of, of the woman is mentioned upon her death. And so Holy Spirit did, does that for a reason, probably to just let us know that it's not like the promise of God was fulfilled in her life, in the life of Abraham, and then three years later she dies and doesn't get to enjoy her son. She was 90 years old when she had him. No, she got to enjoy him for 37 years. Children are a blessing. And uh, she had 37 years of that. Another little Bible trivia. I tell you, you just memorize the stuff that I'm going to tell you tonight, and you will win Bible trivia games. Um, for the next six months. First mention of weeping in the Bible. Can't you see Bible trivia asking that? When's the first mention of weeping? You'll say Genesis 23, verse 2. People will be very impressed. Just make sure you give all the glory to God. You don't boast. Um, but first mention of weeping uh, in the Bible. Weeping, just a part of the human condition because of, of sin. Death is a hard thing, you know. One of the kids in our youth group um, died recently who had been a part of our youth group, and we played, uh, was a part of the basketball ministry, played with him many, many times. And You know, one of the things that I, I tell family, it's, it's hard to know what to say um, to, to family members, and most of the time it's best just to listen and pray and don't try to figure out why this happened. But 
Uh, one of the things that I do say from time to time is, you know, you do need to be grateful that you have some, someone to mourn for. Because many people in this world don't. Uh, and so it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing in a way uh, when there's mourning at the time of the death. Because where there's mourning, usually there was love. And, uh, and so um, we don't sorrow as it, I believe it's Second Thessalonians. We don't sorrow as those who have no hope in death, particularly when there's a believer. It is a coronation, a funeral is a coronation uh, ceremony. And a Christian, uh, it says of, actually it says uh, uh, of Christians, but also in Hebrews of Abraham and, and Sarah, they look for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so... No doubt she went into Abraham's bosom at the time. Um, it says in verse 3, Then Abraham stood up from, uh, up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, he's going to buy a piece of property here. It's the only piece of property that Abraham purchases. Now, tonight I have to say, it's going to be a lot of reading. I remember I had a teacher in school who called himself Ralph the Reader without shame. He just read the textbook, had no shame, called himself Ralph the Reader. Um, but uh, he was very boring. Uh, so I, I, I hope I'm not the same way tonight. But uh, chapter 24 is a long chapter. And the uh, Bible speaks for itself, though. So we're going to be doing some reading. But here he's going to negotiate uh, this this piece of land. I do think it's fascinating how much time is dedicated towards this incident. Uh, I think if we were choosing to write a holy book, we wouldn't dedicate this much time, but thank God we are not the ones that decided what would go in the Bible. He says to the sons of Heth, verse 4, I'm a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying, Hear us, my lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me for the full price as property for a burial place among you. So he says, I, I'll pay the full price. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of his city, saying, No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, please hear me. 
I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephraim answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is it? Is that between you and me? So bury your dead. So this is a little Middle East negotiating going on here. One side saying, look, you just take it. But if you ever took it for free, uh, that would not be a good idea. Um, so he's, he's telling him the price, uh, 400 shekels of silver. It says in verse 16, Abraham listened to the, uh, Ephraim, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephraim, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephraim, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded, meaning they were purchased, to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. And so interesting that it includes all that. Um, it's apparently important to the Holy Spirit that this stake was driven in the ground at the time. This little piece of property was, was purchased. Interesting that it's the only piece of property in the land that Abraham uh, bought. And it is worth asking why. And I think probably the best answer is, is that God had already told Abraham that all the land was his. So why, was he gonna, why would he go out and pay money for it? Have you ever spent money on things that the Lord has told you at some point it's going to be yours anyway? You start spending money. I, you, you hear these stories from time to time, you know. Someone doesn't have a piece at all about buying a car. I don't have a piece. I don't want a piece. I like that car, though. I like that car. I don't have a piece. I don't. They wind up buying the car. And then someone else comes along and says, Hey, you know, I, I, I had this car I wanted to give you. You're like, Oh, why did I go and buy that car? Why? And, and, and we'll do this. And we have to, it's so important that we wait on the Lord. Never go against your peace, by the way. It's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received. Never go against your peace. Uh, the, the Colossians chapter 3 says that let the peace of God be the um, umpire of your heart. Um, and so, but there's a, another reason, I believe, and an important reason why I. Abraham really never goes and buys any property. He, he goes about in tents. And I think he's just a, and he's an example to a New Testament believer. 1 Peter 2.11, um, uh, Peter says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. A Christian is a pilgrim, a sojourner, meaning someone who really owns nothing. And it's not rooted in anywhere. 
uh, just today in a counseling session, I shared with someone uh, Luke 14.33. We were just discussing salvation and whether there had been an, a real lordship ex experience in the person's life. I wanted to know if you know, wanted to see and ask some questions whether Jesus had ever been made Lord. I quoted Luke 14, 33, where Jesus says this, Whosoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That, that verse should be interpreted literally. Whoever does not forsake all that they have cannot be the disciple of Jesus Christ. There needs to be a recognition of every believer in Christ that nothing that they have is theirs. It's all God's, their house, their family, their job, everything. It's all the Lord's. We're sojourners. Peter says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. You know, some of the, some of the, sometimes the thing, the place that we're rooted into the world, is, it's not possessions, it's sin. It's lust. It's lust of the flesh. We're rooted in the world. Uh, and, and, and so Christians are sojourners. And, and wonderful picture of that for us today, living thousands of years later. Abraham, who is a, a man of faith, lived in tents, moved from place to place, didn't own anything except this little burial plot that he had. Chapter 24, now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, and we believe this is Eleazar, and I think there's a reason his name is not mentioned here. Because Eleazar in this chapter is a picture, a type of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never brings attention to himself. It says in the Bible, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit brings glory to the Father, brings glory to the Son. And Eleazar, the servant, is a type of the Holy Spirit. He's going to go get a bride For Isaac. He said to the oldest servant of his house, verse 2, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. Now this is an ancient way of making a vow. Verse 3, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Interesting situation that servants, the lead servant of the house was the one who went and fetched a, fetched a spouse for sons and daughters. It's quite a responsibility. Verse 4, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. So many commentators believe that Abraham is the type of the Father, Eleazar, type of the Holy Spirit, 
Isaac, a type of Jesus Christ, Rebecca, the church, or a believer. Holy Spirit goes and draws the believer, draws the church to Jesus Christ. He doesn't want a wife taken among the Canaanites. He lived in Canaan. Why don't we, actually, why don't we, uh, Sean, can we get the, can we get the, um, the map here? So at this time, he's in Canaan and, and white. Let me get my little play toy here. Uh, big boys need play toys sometimes. It's where they are right here. He says, don't get a daughter amongst the Canaanites. And he's telling them to go back here. Um... Now, there are, there are good reasons why he's sending them back to Haran. It, it, it appears to be that, I don't know how to say it other than their, their level of evil which they perform in their idolatry is less <laughs> than the people, the Canaanites in the, here in the land of Canaan, because if you remember, in the book of Joshua, Joshua makes really clear that Abraham's father worshipped foreign gods. And we're going to find this about uh, Rebekah's family up here. They're all worshipping foreign gods up there as well. The Canaanites appear to be just at a deeper, more... Uh, Romans chapter 1 speaks of a downward spiral of idolatry, and in that area, it's, it's even worse. Remember, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. Things are not good. Joshua said to his people, uh, chapter 24, verse 2 of Joshua, Thus says the Lord God of, your, uh, God of Israel, Your fathers including Terah, the father of Abraham and father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. And so, um, but he's sending him back to his family. Um, there was, uh, you know, he was just more trustworthy. Um, he didn't like what he was seeing in the land there. And in Canaan, yeah, interesting thing that... He does here, you know, whatever you do, you don't want to live your life just by the principles um, of the world. And what was common at the time, for a, remember they called, what did they call Abraham? A mighty prince. They said, you're a mighty prince. When he uh, came to them in verse 6 of, of chapter 23, they called him a mighty prince when he came to them to, to buy property. What you see throughout history that princes did is they would marry their daughters and their sons into other tribes or rich people, kings, princes, in order to get up, increase their power, advance themselves. You never want to compromise like that in the Christian life. Never want to do that. Remember when I was out in the corporate world? Was, you know, you'd be there and it's like, okay, you know, after work, you got to go out to this place and that place and network, network, network. The problem with that is that 
um, you know, it would just take me away from my family. And I had to, to just by faith believe that God was going to prosper me and I wasn't going to do things the world's way. And so many times Christians we get put in that same place. So he doesn't do what the, this, the incredible pressure from the world to just get drawn into worldly ways. He sends his servant back to the land of Haran up here. We can leave the map up there. Sean. In verse 5 it says, And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. <laughs> you feel sorry for this guy. He's like, I'm going to go. I mean, this had to have taken a, a month probably to get up there. Uh, and he's thinking, am I going to get all the way up there? And, and it, it, what if she doesn't come with me? <laughs> it says, must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. It's kind of interesting. By the way, Isaac is, is in his 30s now. And another uh, regular conversation I have is with single folks in their 30s. Listen, God is faithful. I see that over and over again. And just look at Isaac. But no, I don't want to be Isaac. Come on, don't tell me that. Well, hey, you know, he's here as an example of someone who waited on the Lord until his 30s. But Abraham says, beware that you do not take my son back there. You know, it, it, it could be that, that Abraham saw where Isaac was spiritually at this time, and he had to make a decision, you know, I don't want to take the chance that Isaac's going to go back there and stay there. God's made promises here. Each one of our kids, you know, we've had to, to make judgment calls. Every kid is different. Every child is different. And what one chi child can take at a certain time in their life uh, is different than the next. But none of them are the same. Could be that that is what's going on here. You're not going to take my son with you. So Eleazar, uh, wow, does he have something on his hands. It says, verse 7, The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I, I, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and shall take a wife for my son from there. Interesting mention of the word angel there, huh? Somehow an angel was going to be sent to prepare the heart of Rebecca and the heart of her family. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Isn't that interesting that even though Abraham knows, even though he knows that he's going to be coming back with a woman, just out of love for Eleazar, because clearly he's stressing out here. Look, if you don't, have, if you don't get her, don't worry about it. I'll release you from this oath. If she's not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed for her. All his master's goods were in his hands. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia. 
uh, to the city of Nahor. So we see, is Nahor up there? I don't see Nahor up there. Does someone else see Nahor? I don't see Nahor. It's going to be up here somewhere. But. He went to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God. It's one of these famous fleece stories here. O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. You know, I... If you're single... And I know many of the folks who will wind up listening to this message are. Be very careful about throwing out fleeces. I don't know how many stories I've heard. Oh, you know, if I go into the church service tonight and, and this guy that I'm interested in is wearing purple pants, he will be the one that I'm supposed to, to marry. And, you know, sure enough, they'll walk in in purple pants, you know. Never mind the fact that he wears purple pants every third time she sees him. But that was a, a sign from heaven. You're going to get yourself into a whole lot of trouble. And I will tell you that the greatest sign that you're supposed to marry someone is their character, but also they get to want to marry you too. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious about that because uh, so many times someone is like, no, 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 I'm convinced she's the one or he's the one. But the problem is they're not interested. Uh, and, and, and so um, fleeces are thrown out. Be very careful about fleeces as a general rule. You know, we have in Judges, Gideon's fleece. It's not the kind of faith that pleases the Lord. And oftentimes, God honors fleeces of younger believers. I know he did with me. Uh, but as you grow in the Lord, it's not the kind of faith that the Lord encourages. So he throws out this fleece. And verse 15 says, let me see, where am I? Verse 15, and it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin no man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, 
this is Eleazar, who we believe is Eleazar, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And so she said, drink, my lord. And then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosper or not. So it was, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me. Please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? And so she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. And he's like, oh, wow. That's Abraham's grand niece that I'm speaking to. Verse 25, moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Right there, he just praised God. I got a call this week from someone who had an enormous debt. I'll go ahead and say it. $50,000. He had no capability of paying at all. And just through miraculous means, it was forgiven. And he said, right there on the floor of his work, right in front of everybody, he got down on his knees and he worshipped God. <laughs> and that's what he does here. It's a great thing to do, to just to worship God when, when, when he comes through in, in this way. Because by this time he knows, wow, the Lord has done it. I don't want to continue without saying this as well. Notice in verse 16, it says, Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold. So I do get the question as well. Not infrequently. Is it a requirement or should I expect, maybe it's a better way of saying that the woman that God has for me or the man that God has for me, that I will be attracted to them. Now, if you have happened to come in here with rotten tomatoes, feel free. You can throw them at me after I say what I'm about to say. But the answer is absolutely not. There's nothing in the Bible that assures people that the person they're going to be married to, that they're attracted to. Most of Christian marriages throughout history, is, as far as my you know, view of history um, is, were arranged or semi-arranged anyway. The Bible says character is what you need to have as a requirement for a spouse. Character. And the Bible also says that 
when there's character and when there's godliness, there will be in you over time a fondness for the person and an attraction for the person that goes well beyond physical beauty. Beauty in the Bible is seen, yes, as a blessing when a man gets a beautiful woman just right here. It's portrayed as a blessing, no, no question. When a woman gets a, a hunk of a man portrayed as a blessing, but so is wealth. Wealth is portrayed often as a blessing. Is everyone, does, can everyone expect to get wealthy? Of course not. And so uh, physical attraction does not make a marriage. It's not what makes a marriage endure. It's character. And Rebecca, by the way, seems to have a lot of, of it uh, by, by what we've already seen, but also what we're uh, going to see uh, now. In verse 27, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. And for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So God just led him, the Holy Spirit... He's a type of the Holy Spirit. It was just led to this place. So the young woman ran, told her mother's household these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Now, remember when we say the name Jezebel, what do we do around here? Jezebel. Louder. Jezebel. Okay, same thing for Laban. Laban. Not a good guy. This Laban guy. He's just not a good dude. And we're going to read a lot about that. She had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist. Ooh, yeah, this is Laban here. Ah, what's going on here? Gold, wealth, yeah. And when he had heard the words of his sister, Rebekah, saying, thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood uh, by the camels at the uh, well, and he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. He's flattering them. Romans chapter 12 says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Don't flatter. Don't do it. Stay away from that. Come in, O blessed of the Lord, verse uh, 31. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Verse 32, then the man came to the house and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. He's thinking of the dowry. It's a big old dowry I'm going to get. Food was set before him to eat. And, but he said, I will not eat until I have uh, told about my errand. This is a faithful dude. You know, some people, you know, you can just give them things to do, and I mean they execute. He's not going to even eat here until he finishes what he was sent to do. So before I even eat, i got to accomplish this thing, this errand. So Laban said, speak on. Verse 34, so he said, this is Eliezer, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly and has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, 
male and female servants and camels and donkeys. So Laban's you know, eyes were going bigger and bigger. Verse 36, And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. And now Laban can't con- contain himself. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk. I like that. You walk with the Lord. You realize when you're walking that you're walking before the Lord. We'll send his angel with you and prosper your way and, and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be clear fr- from this oath when you arrive among my family for if they will not give her to you then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O God, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water and it shall come to pass that that when the virgin comes out to draw water and say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, drink and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, who Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. The verse, favorite verse of teenage girls all around the world. Speaking of nose rings. You see, Mom, I can have a nose ring. It's right here. Uh, anyway, I'm going to leave that one to you. I'm just going to go on uh, with that. Um, and I bowed down, verse 48, my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand and to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel. Interesting that Bethuel is Rebekah's father, but apparently he's, he's disabled or well on in age and not able really to, to do the real negotiating here. It's Laban. This seems to be in control. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to, the, to you, e, you either good or bad. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. So while wow, the Lord really, the Lord's angel really prepared things. You know, one of my, uh, the verses that, the Lord has used so much in my life. Um, Isaiah 52 says the Lord will go before you and be your rear guard. The Lord really does. He goes before you. And it's just amazing. Okay? They just show up. And uh, sure, yeah. Okay, we'll let her go with you. 
God's favor. God does that. The Lord works. He works in your life. He'll work um, as you obey him and follow him and walk before him, just as Abraham does. He'll do the same thing uh, in your life. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard uh, their words, verse 52, that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and the clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And so I was just in First Timothy this week. Um, again, I said that Eleazar is a type of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and draws us and prepares us for the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is preparing a bride for Jesus Christ. Um, the Holy Spirit also gives us richly all things. Verse, First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's not talking supremely um, about material things there, but he adorns us just like Eleazar is adorning Rebecca in this verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And that's the experience of all Christians who walk obediently by faith before the Lord. The Lord does that. He blesses. He absolutely does. Verse 54. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night, then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. I told you I'd be Ralph the reader, Steve the reader, just reading up a storm. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. You know, it could be that Eleazar here consents the deceitful, uh, fickle nature of Laban. And he's like, I don't want to stay around here, this Laban guy you know, may trick me. It's wonderful. The Lord has given us the Holy Spirit. As we said this morning, he, the Holy Spirit has invaded our hearts. And over time, we learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will tell us stuff like this. No, no, you're not going to trust this one. <laughs> and he says in verse 56, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. I'm telling you guy is some kind of servant of, of Abraham. And so they said, we will call the woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this 
man, and she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. It's interesting. She had never seen Isaac, and she went um, anyway. And remember in, 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 in John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying for those who will not have seen that they would believe anyway. And again, Rebecca, a type of believer in Christ. In 1 Peter 1.8, it speaks of you and me. It says, we having not seen, yet we love. Though now we do not see him, Jesus, yet believing, we rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. So Rebecca, again, a type of believer being drawn by the Holy Spirit, taken back to Christ, verse 60. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebecca and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahoi Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked. And there the camels were coming. Then Rebecca, Rebecca lifted her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Interesting there, there that there is no real instruction in the Bible for a wedding ceremony. And that is really the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who accommodates cultures all around the world. Just like there's no real instruction on, on music, like what instruments have to be used, this type of thing. Look at this marriage ceremony. He takes Rebecca into his tent. That was it. They were married. Done. <laughs> you know, there's no legalism when it comes to wedding ceremonies. As long as the heart is in the right place and uh, things are decent and in order, God will honor it. And so uh, there you have it, this wonderful picture of Abraham, a type of the Father, Eleazar, a type of the Holy Spirit, Isaac, a type of Christ, Rebecca, a type of believer, the church, this wonderful story of how they came together, and this is the Lord's faithfulness uh, over it all.